Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. You know, I always said, there's so many years no one gave a shit about me. How can I be anything but nice about it? Hello, welcome back. You are listening to me, Christoph Triumph, and this is the podcast Varvet International. This episode is part of the 2016 binge listening experience. That means that this interview was recorded in 2015, but due to personal issues for me, it's not been released until now, almost a year later. Anyhow, in this episode, my guest is a very funny actor, a comedian from Illinois. I'm talking about Jim O'Hare. Jim started his career by performing in the legendary improv school, The Second City, in Chicago. But for many people, he is best known for his appearances in the NBC comedy series Parks and Recreation and the Comedy Central sitcom Strip Mall. Today, Jim lives in a house in California together with his beloved dogs. This interview was recorded in West Hollywood. So let's just roll the tape, shall we? Here is Jim O'Hare. How are you today, sir? I'm good. I'm really good. I worked all weekend, so I got to sleep in today, so that was nice. What did you do? I did a film called Middleman that I shot. We started in the end of May, and we finished it by the end of June. So we did some pickup shots, you know, just some stuff that they hadn't gotten. But it's funny because it's a very dark, dark, dark comedy, and there's blood and there's murder and all this kind of stuff, and... My character gets blood on him a lot. And so yesterday, I was like, oh, here I go again. And they squirted all sorts of blood on me and dirt and filth. But it's over. We have officially wrapped it. Now it's in the editing booths, and they can do whatever they're going to do. But it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty cool film. What's good for me is, you know, I'm known mostly for Jerry from Parks and Recreation, this sweet, lovable, doofus kind of guy. And this character is not. This guy is, it gets really dark. Okay. It's really dark. But it's good because, you know, you want to let people know, hey, I can do other stuff. You know, because what happens is, especially when you're on a show for seven years, you know, you can get labeled like, oh, he's that guy. He just does the nice dude, whatever, whatever. So this film was, it was a good opportunity for me to say, uh, no, no, no. There, I'm an actor. I can do all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So we'll see. I've seen some of the dailies, and it looks really good. And some of the the acting, Andrew J. West from Walking Dead is amazing. He's kind of my co-lead. And uh, Josh McDermott, also from Walking Dead, incredible. And Dudek from Mad Men. I mean, we ended up with this incredible cast. And it's a low-budget film, 
So nobody made a lot of money off of it. But it's amazing. The script was so strong, everybody just wanted in. And that's that says a lot, you know. And I think, because you can have a great script and it doesn't work when you go to shoot it. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, maybe poor direction, maybe poor, a million things can happen to make it not work. I think this works. From what I've seen, I yeah. think it works. So now I'm just dying to sit and see a finished product, but that'll be months away because... But it's coming out in 2015. Uh, no. They're trying to hit the festivals, but they like they wanted to get it. Uh, I think the deadline for Sundance, I believe, is the end of September. So the goal is to have it at least a clean copy by the end of September. The thing is that people don't realize there is so much to do in post-production. It has to be colorized, which means every scene has to be manually manipulated In sound, there has to be a score written, you know, so now there's a, you know, a composer out there who's writing a score. So it all takes time. Yeah. That's the problem. It of takes course. time. So, you know, and it's not like it's a big studio where you can throw a million dollars at it and have this happen and that happen. You know, they just have to do what they can do. But I, I, uh, the director feels that uh, we'll be ready for the festivals. So that would be great. That's fantastic. I, I what? think we'll do good in the festivals. When is the Sundance? It doesn't actually happen till January, okay. but they have to have submissions, which, you know, and, and there's not just Sundance. There's Tribeca. I mean, there's big ones, but Sundance is kind of the mecca of yeah. all indie, uh, indie stuff. Yeah. That's where you want to go. Or Slamdance. That would be great, too. So we'll see. It's um, Have you been to Sundance? Yes, I have. Yeah. It's awesome. It is. <laughs> yes. It is. I went for, again, the show Parks that I was on two Sundances ago. Almost every one of us were involved in a film that was going to be showing at Sundance. And our producers were so amazing because it was happening during a work week. But they scheduled us all to make it work so that we could all go over there. So, like, Aubrey and I were in the same film, so I think they gave us the first three days off. And then Amy at the end and Nick Offerman and Adam Scott, they just really... Amazing. So we all, yeah, we were all there. What's cool about Sundance and the big festivals, the fans, they're the diehard film fans, the diehard TV fans. So these are people who are really invested. Because a lot of stuff you go to, it's just, you know, it can just be people who are just excited to see a celebrity or something. And they're excited to see celebrities too. Like I, I never expected it to be crazy for me. And Nick Offerman had said, uh, it's going to get crazy when you get over there, because he had been there a couple of times. And I said, oh, I don't think so. Well, it was crazy. Like, at one point, <laughs> the was? police had to help me get across the street. and But I also learned, uh, here's my favorite story. So I get there, and I had to go pick up some tickets for something. So I just went and walked over to this place. Well, somebody screamed, oh, my God, it's Jim O'Hare from Parks or whatever. So all of a sudden, these people start coming around. Well, now we're in the middle of the street, so the police move us over and help me out. And then... The crowd kept growing because people were saying, he's taking pictures and all this stuff. And I'm f- having kind of a Beatles moment, like, wow, my God, these people are all want my picture and, and autograph or whatever. And then somebody yells, oh, my God, it's Bradley Cooper. <laughs> okay. These people left me so <laughs> fast. I mean, one second, I am totally surrounded. And two seconds later, I am all by myself. And he's walking, and he's got, like, what appeared to be security or something, no one was getting near him. So once they realized they weren't going to get him, of course, they all come back to me. I'm like, oh, no, no, I get how this works. Yeah, Film is up here, TV's down here. So, But it's a really fun experience. The audience, you learn the tricks, like when you go to a premiere there, 
if the audience stays, your movie did well. Otherwise, they get up and leave, even if there's a Q&A afterward. I mean, it's very specific. And then the parties are either congratulatory parties or this isn't going to go anywhere parties. Okay. Because from what I understand, they immediately start bidding. You know, the different production companies start or studios start bidding on these films. And some films, you know, don't get bid on. And so then you have a sad party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I was in a film with Aubrey called Life After Beth, a, a zombie film. And uh, the audience stayed, and it went into bidding that night. So we, our party was a happy party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were happy. But it's a, it's an exciting place. I was there for probably four days. So many parties. Even parties that you're not invited to, but if they see you walking down the street, like, come in, our, you know, like, so... It was great. And I saw people I hadn't seen in a while, which is fun. You know, so yeah, Sundance is, it's, it's the goal. It's if you can get into Sundance, it can change everything for your film. Yeah. So we'll see. And it helps to have names, you know, and our film has a couple, like I said, a couple of the walking dead guys. That's good. <laughs> that yeah, can course. help. So we'll see. I don't know. We were hoping to get, uh, Chris Pratt was going to do a small part in the film scheduling. It couldn't happen. That would have been awesome. But it's so funny because when you, um, Everything plays out how it's supposed to. Because mm. some of the casting things were going to be different at first. And just the way it all played out, it's perfect. I really feel it's perfect. It feels like all of you guys from Parks and Rec have sort of skyrocketed. Oh, and that sky I mean, Chris Pratt has skyrocketed. My God, the man is the number one box office dude. And But yeah, everyone is – like, we still constantly text each other and stuff. You know, we have the – It's called the Parks thing and on my phone. And Aubrey texted all of us the other day. She's in Hawaii filming a movie. Red is doing um, Girl's Guide to Divorce for uh, Bravo. Adam just finished a film in New Zealand. Nick, he's on Fargo. He's got him and his wife just did a show that they ran over the summer called Summer of 69, no apostrophe. Yeah, everybody, Aziz, his new show is going to start soon, his Netflix show. Yeah, it's amazing what being, because I had never had the experience. I've been on shows before, but never. We did 125 of them. That's a lot, you know. And so that exposure, it changes everything. It really changes everything. And, like, I have, since Parks ended, thankfully, 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 I have pretty much been working nonstop. And it's been mostly offers, you know, where your manager calls or agent calls and says, listen, you've been offered this. Well, that didn't happen before Parks. You know, that just didn't. Yeah. Parks was the game changer. You don't have to go to that many auditions. Not no. as many. No. But that being said, I am all about it. Like, I am not, because there's some actors at some point won't audition. Not me. If it's a good role and I want it, I'll, hell yeah, I'll go in there. Of I course. have no problem with that. And I'm also one of the crazy actors. I like auditioning. It doesn't bother me. Like, some actors, it just, they hate it. They get nervous. To me, it's another way of performance. I don't know, and I like to perform, I guess. So for me, it's great. I recently auditioned for a Clint Eastwood film that I think might happen, so that would be great. But yeah. Was he in there? No, he's not. Here's how Clint does it. He casts off of tape, off of the uh, audition tape. He does not, he's not in the room. And I know people that have worked with him who met him first day on set. So we got the call that things went well, and I'm... this point, his choice for the role. Oh, it's kind of a knock was, on wood. Yeah, knock on. Yeah, if I can knock on something, you never know. But you know, also I've been around long enough to know that until 
they call with an offer offer, mm. nothing is solid, you of know, course. but it would be great. It would be, I mean, it would be awesome just to, cause I've heard nothing but great stuff. People love working with him. His sets are, I suppose, from what I understand, very peaceful. You know, he doesn't shoot the hell out of anything. He gets what he likes and he moves on. Yeah. So that's why he's always under budget. Cause I've been on stuff that they just shoot it to death. And by the end, your actors have lost their freshness for the scene and, yeah, the word is he just does a couple. You got it. Let's move on. Mm. So that would be awesome. Yeah. But yeah, we've all done, everyone is working, which it's good and bad. It's bad because we don't get to see each other. Everyone's all over the place. But we were nominated for an Emmy this year. So we'll, everybody will see each other at the Emmys. So that'll be great. So yeah, we'll see. You know, we were shocked because we haven't been nominated for the past three years. So to be honest, it wasn't even on my radar. Like I woke up that morning. And, you know, you grab your phone and you're looking like, what the hell's going on? Like all this congratulations. I had no idea what people were talking about. Uh-huh. And then there was a message from my publicist. You guys got nominated. I go, what? So it was great, though, because it's our swan song. You know, it's our last. And the odds are we won't win. Modern Family has won the past five or six years. They'll probably win again. But it's nice for our final season to get that. Of and course. To get to be together. And, uh, yes, yeah, so it's great. We're excited. I had two thoughts before sitting down with you. The first was that I would tell you that we would see how long we could go without mentioning Parks and Rec. <laughs> that, that failed right off Immediately the Immediately that's yeah, exactly. over, yes. But that was my fault. I brought it up, not you. It was, but anyway. <laughs> uh, and the other thing was that I would like to talk to you about um, Harris Whittles. Yeah. Now, he passed away like Four or five days before the final episode, right? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, the week. Yeah. yeah. Shocking. You, you know, we all knew Harris had his struggles. So that part, I guess, whatever. But the shocking part was he was clean. Like, and everyone knew that. He was doing great. He yeah. was doing amazing. And he was so happy about the new job and so forth. He was doing, he's a brilliant guy. So it was, uh, Shocking. That's all I can tell you. I was doing an episode of um, Hot in Cleveland, and there was a text from Pratt, I think, and he was like, what the fuck happened? And I knew, I go, oh, no, 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 what's happening? So then I immediately jumped in. I go, what do you guys talk? Because then there was something from Amy, and da, da, da. I said, what is going on? And Amy texted me, and she just said, Harris died. I was mm. like, oh, my God. I don't know. I have never, everyone has demons or whatever, and we all have our issues. I can't imagine the curse of that, of a drug addiction. I can't imagine. Thankfully, I've never had any interest in that because maybe I would have been super addicted too. I have no idea. But it was shocking. When you know people who have done drugs and have had issues, he had been, done a couple of rehabs here and there. You think, well, anything can happen. But he was so good. He was in such a great place. He was playing with his band, and he was we were wrapping up parks and he was just so much great stuff and yeah. so much opportunity. So it was shocking. It was shocking. And then the outpouring of love and support and it's a shame. And I know we can say it about a million different people, but it was a, a real waste because he was super, super smart, funny guy. But what I will also say more importantly than any of that, he was a good guy. He yeah. was a great guy. He had a big heart. He was not a, I don't know. Uh, that whole drug thing, I can't imagine. So I, I don't know what to say, but it was horrible. Yeah, yeah he, he seemed, you know, with 
Twitter and all social sure, media. It's sure. it's like everybody's like, oh, that and that person passed away, and I, I'm always like, okay, but she was like 85. Right, uh, right, right. But, which is sad, but yeah, of course, 85. Yeah, right. But Harris Whittles, I mean, early it, 30s. Yeah, yeah, it really. I took it to heart. Yeah. even not knowing him, just yeah. just knowing some of his work and like he was. Constantly on my on top of my want list for the podcast. And oh, really? Yeah. Oh, boy! And he was also, you know, he was a big fish fan. The group, yeah. <laughs> the group. And you know, he was boy when he was passionate about something. He was passionate. Yeah. And I, uh, I don't want to say who because I don't want to put words in someone else's mouth. But uh, someone he was very close to said to me, "She's a comedian," and she said she had literally just seen him two days earlier. And he was great. So doing a stand up or no, they, he was at her house, Okay, you know, yeah. and he's, she said, so, I mean, she was so shocked because she had just seen him, you know, and she said, cause she, she knew him for a lot of years and she knew the signs when things weren't going well with him as far as, you know, you change physically if you're doing some hardcore stuff. And she said, he looked great. She has her theory on what happened. She thinks he did a gig and he was talking about his addictions and something clicked in his head and he thought because you know he was about to head to New York. Yeah. And he even and this was all over the internet. He, he, he was going to work with the the, uh, the new Aziz show, right? Right. Aziz's show and he was also like he had one of his buddies put this information out online after he died. He had tweeted, you know, he had sent him a message saying, "Dude, I'm going to New York. I'm going to need some help when I get there." Like in other words, some meetings, you know, set me up on where I need to be. And the guy was like, great, yeah, I know, great, you know. So he had every intention of being clean and sober. So something went wrong. Yeah. I don't believe for a second, I don't think anybody believes he over OD'd on purpose. I think it was my theory, what the hell do I know? It was one of his last nights in L.A., and he thought, I'm going to have one final whatever, yeah. and it went too far, obviously. Mm. So, But heartbreaking, his family, so sweet, and the mother and the sister, everybody... Uh, I don't know. Just awful. But can I ask you, did you have much to do with, with him? Uh, do, I didn't in, socially other no. than at parties and stuff. But at work, you know, we every week you do your table reads. And, if, and okay. the way that Parks worked, and not every show does this, but the way Parks does it, if you were the writer of the episode, you were on set the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there were weeks when we were all together all the time. Yeah. He's, and because what they loved, what they loved doing on, on the show was – we could yell out, eh, you know, is there a better line for this or whatever? So if the writer's there, you can, everybody can throw it out and, you know, whatever. So, oh, yeah, Harris was, and plus Harris played a couple of, you know, he was yeah, one I of know. the characters on yeah. the show. So, yeah, yeah, we got a lot of time with him on set. I knew at one point he had disappeared for a while and he was in, you know, went to a rehab somewhere. Mm-hmm. There were no more supportive people than the producers on Parks because they loved him to death. So, I know that he could have done anything to get help and they would have gone along with it. If yeah. he needed time off, if he needed whatever. So, yeah. So, but yeah, if it was his episode, he was on set every day the whole time. So, yeah, yeah it was great. It's it's still like I do this weird little nightly prayer to all these anyway. And he's in, you know, for people that have passed in my life and he's at the, li- he's on the list now. And I hate that. Mm-hmm. I hate that he's on the list. Of course. But he is. I wanted to ask you about also about Jerry, of course. I mean, when you came to one of those, first off, I was a huge fan of Parks and Rec. And it feels like, for me, from the outside, that 
perhaps your part was the most interesting in a way, because coming to a table read, did you ever know what to expect? Never. Exactly. Never. And that's what I loved. Yeah. Yeah. No, I never knew. Jerry, you know, I don't know if you know what happened, how Jerry even happened, but when the show was cast, it was six main characters. It was Amy Poehler, Nick Offerman, Aziz Ansari, Paul Schneider, who was there for the first, I think, 30 episodes. He played Mark Brandanowitz. Aubrey Plaza. Is that six? That and, six. And, and Rashida Jones, of yeah. course. So this was it. That was the game. And so when I got called to even audition for it, they said, uh, you know, they wanted me to audition for Ron Swanson. Could you imagine anybody other than Nick Offerman playing Ron Swanson? But Since I read that you were, uh, I couldn't see you doing it. Well, I mean, I had a different take on it. It was, I don't know, I I just, I'm so enamored with Nick's work that I can't imagine. I love it. I just can't imagine, yeah. And this, I'll say, I'll jump this in here, too, because we mentioned the Emmys earlier. You know, I've been a TV guy my whole life, and I, I watch the award shows and all that crap, but the fact that Nick Offerman has never been nominated for the role of Ron Swanson makes no sense. No. In any real world, it makes no sense. Mm. Just saying that. I'm glad we're nominated <laughs> as a show. I'm glad Amy, Amy's nominated because, of course, she deserves that. But the fact that Nick Offerman has not been nominated yeah. for such a very specific character, like nothing else on television like Ron Swanson, mm-hmm. and not to knock anyone else who has been nominated over him, but... You know, there's very few are doing what he did for seven seasons. Yeah. So that's just my high horse. Yeah. And now I'll get off. But so, yeah. So then when Jerry came along, you know, the thing that changed everything for Jerry, and I just ran into this guy the other night, two weeks ago, Dan Gore was one of our exec producers who now co-created Brooklyn Nine-Nine with Michael Short. So, and I just ran into him, but we were doing an episode where people were finding out dirt on each other. And they found, my character ends up, find, I find out that I've been, I was adopted. I never even knew it. And apparently that's when they realized that's who Jerry is. He's going to be the guy who's just not always in the loop, you know. Mm. And I'd like to think I would have stayed either way. You know, they would have found something for me. But that changed it because then Mike Shure, who co-created with Greg Daniels the show, will always tell you, it got so crazy in the writer's room. It was constant Jerry jokes, like slamming Jerry. At some point, like, okay, we have, it can't just be about slamming jerry you know so it was great it was great and i get so many people i feel so bad for your character how can they be so mean to you and stuff but i always say if you're a diehard fan of the show if you really watch the episodes whenever jerry needed them they were there he was their punching bag no doubt if a joke was going to be played it was going to be played on jerry but when jerry needed them there was an episode when adam scott and rob lowe first came into parks they were going to cut the budget so they have to cut. And Adam's character, Ben, says, well, what about this Jerry Gergich and right away Leslie? Oh, no, no, no. We can't do it without him. So, I mean, they were always, I don't know, they were always there when when they need, when they he needed them. They were always yeah. there. So I, I don't look at it like that. And also, Jerry knew what was important in life, family. Yeah. And to him, that was his job. He went there. He made his money. He was going to get his retirement. But ultimately, he went home to the most beautiful woman in the world yeah. <laughs> and these three beautiful daughters. Yeah. And he had a big dick, as it we is. learned in yeah. season three. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's such a fantastic part. And I, it was such a fantastic uh, series. And I mean, it, do you feel like you're going to experience something as good as Parks and Rec again? Sadly, I don't think so. And I'm not even basing that on 
quality because that would be tough to match. But there has it's never that I've ever heard of, certainly that I've ever been involved in, there's never been a group of people who got along so well. And I'm not just talking the actors. Our crew, our producers, I mean, they, they're just, I still go for ribs and beer with the camera crew. I mean, these people, you're with them a lot. I've been on other shows, and there can be a lot of tension. There can be a lot of this one's sniping about that one. I never, in 125 episodes, never heard a raised voice on set. Never a raised voice. I never heard an actor slam another actor. Now, actors are snarky. You know, oh, well, why did she do this? Or how did he get that? Why is he on Leno? Or why is he on Letterman? And I'm not. None of it. None of it happened. And Amy says it, and she's right. It was lightning in a bottle. Because... It just happened. That yeah. was just, these group of people got together. It wasn't planned that we'd all get along. You always hope for that. So could it happen again? I guess anything can happen. I sadly think no. And again, I, I hope I'm wrong. And I hope I get on another show where I am as equally happy. But our show was so awesome. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but like we, we shot single camera, which meant some days you didn't work because... It's not like a multi-cam where you have the big audience and you rehearse all day and then do your audience. So I would get the you know the schedule the week before. On a Friday, I'd get my work schedule the next week. And if it said, like, I was off Thursday, I'd be like, oh, damn, I'm off on Thursday. Like, I want to be there. Mm. I really wanted to be there. So it's great when you have a job that you want to be at. <laughs> like, I was down the days I wasn't there. I was like, ah, I wish I was on set today. Mm. So I think that's rare. And it's because... and. Uh, this is the oldest saying in the book. You know, it starts at the top. Mike Shore and Amy Poehler, Mike set an amazing tone upstairs in the writer's rooms, and Amy set an amazing tone downstairs on the sound stages. I mean, how can you be crabby and bitchy when your lead actress is being so kind and funny and generous? And during Park, she went through some stuff. She went through her divorce. I mean, it's not like... It was all, you know, roses and everything every day. You would never know it because when she hit that set, the smile was on her face. Everybody appreciated that everybody has to be here to make this happen. So if you're my stand-in, you're as important as me and as the crafty guy and the script supervisor and the... It's just we all were on the same page. So, But that feels sort of unique, right? Because I th I've been around. I th it's yeah. very unique. There are sets, and I won't say which ones... There's one major hit show right now that I have a friend who's been recurring on it, and he called his representatives and said, never again. I won't do another episode. Mm. The set is that bad. So to think that we had this total I'm, opposite. I'm trying I, to figure out which one. Oh, uh, there's a million shows. You'll yeah, never yeah. figure it out. Maybe I'll tell you off, off, uh, off microphone. I actually heard that there's going to be, when this year is finished, there's going to be 400 original TV series Aired in the U.S. 400? 400. Wow. Well, not aired, because right, some, some of it is on online. But sure, still, sure, sure. Yeah, 400. Yeah. Which is great for actors. It is. It means of Well, even I'm working on a film right now, and it's specifically for the producers, Larry Levinson. He has bought Pixel. It's on DirecTV. He bought this thing. So now he's just producing content. So it's... Really a good time for actors. Yeah. It really is a good time for actors. But do you get paid? Yeah, it depends yeah. on the gig. Like yeah. the one I'm doing now, I'm doing a film called A Moving Romance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Financially, it's a good one. 
And so far, it's been, I just started it last week, and so far, it's been great. The people are awesome. But yeah, no, they're, it, 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 and also, you know, once you've done a certain amount of work, they're not going to approach you unless they have a decent offer to make. Yeah. Though, that being said, there are independents, like Middleman that I did, that was $100 a day. All these amazing actors did it for $100 a day, but that was because of the script. Everybody knew it was a special script. Yeah. And you want to be involved. You know, we're actors. We want to be involved in special scripts. We want a character that is so different that we want to play it. So yeah. we will do that for $100 a day. And you can do it because, you know, like with Parks, you know, we did 125 episodes. We're in syndication. So, you know, my bills are paid. So then you can do those kind of jobs and love it. But does that mean that you, because when syndication, I'm not sure how that works. I, I understand that it, that you sort of, the show gets, please. And yeah, no, syndication, <laughs> basically, it just, it's, it's been sold, which means each and every episode is sold, whether, and it can be, they go in cycles. So it can be sold for, you know, three years, five years, I don't know all the numbers. And then it's on different, you know, it's like if you turn on your television, you can't, you know, every time you turn, there's a Big Bang Theory, there's a Roseanne is still on every channel, Will and Grace. So these are out there forever. The money gets less and less the longer it's out there. And basically, the way it's been working, we've been out there for a year now, maybe a year and a half. I feel like every three months, so maybe every quarter, you get a check. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're lovely. Our syndication deal isn't like some of the – the big syndication deals don't really happen anymore because there's so much content. There's so many shows. So we didn't get like a Roseanne kind of syndication deal. But it's lovely. And it's – for an actor, you know, the way, the way uh, it works for – Actors in, in, I assume, well, certainly in the U.S., we have AFTER and SAG. SAG AFTER is our union. And so I could make $100 million this year. And if next year I don't make anything, I lose my insurance. So you have to make certain amounts. So the nice part about syndication is even if you have a bad year, if you take a year off, you'll have that money coming in. It's applied to your insurance. You get to keep your insurance. So it's a it's just a nice um Just a nice thing in your back pocket, of you course, know. Yeah. It's not like our syndication deal is not one that, you know, means I can sit and not work ever again. But it means that if there are are some slow times, it'll be okay because mm. that still comes in. Yeah, but I mean, if you make, you just told me that you you're gonna make one hundred. One hundred. Well, that's dollars. just for one day's work. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just for one day. So over the year, that means I'll be about three billion. Okay. That's fantastic. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, no, it's just how it is. But uh, is, is pilot season coming up now, or when is that? No, pilot That's season the, is right. like end of January through March. Okay. Kind of, yeah. So for I had my first pilot season, this past one, for the first time in... The Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, 
you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Because you've been Six on Parks years. and Rec. Yeah. It's great. And it was weird. During Parks and Rec, you, you didn't go to pilots. You can't because okay. you are under contract. Uh, right. Our contracts are for six, six, six seasons, seven seasons, whatever it is. Yeah. And more importantly, you couldn't have dragged me away from Parks. Mm. I mean, it's a place I wanted to be every day. So there would have been no issue. No, you are under contract, and it's great when you're an actor and don't you don't have to think about pilot season. It's awesome <laughs> because you got a gig. Yeah, you know, there's nothing better. I, years ago, before Parks happened, I had a friend who was on a series, and he used to say the best part was that during the summer, before things started shooting again, he knew he had a job to go back to, and that really is nice. So if you're having a lazy day and you're like, oh man, I should be looking for the You go, oh, wait, no, I have a job. I don't go back to work till the end of July, but I do have a big job. So that was great. But so this last pilot season was my first one in six, seven years or whatever it was. It was different, though, because, and only because of Parks and Rec, I I basically went to, I went to the final test. I, I didn't have to do a lot of the pre-stuff. So if there was a role that they liked me for, I would go to what's called, you'd go to the network audition. So studio and the network. So that made it easier. I didn't land anything, but it was nice. It was it was good. And I'm a specific type. I'm a character. I'm a big guy. So I'm not going to be up for everything. But that being said, I think character actors have it better. We have it easier. You know, these the good-looking dudes and, you know, the leading men, there's so much competition. I mean, so much competition. I'm allowed to get old. I'm allowed to get gray. Like right now, people can't see me, but my hair is brown for a film. In general, it's gray. At first, when I started to go gray at 30, people were like, you need to color your hair. You don't want people to think you're getting older. But when you're a character actor in L.A., you're allowed to get older. Yeah. The grayer I got, the busier I got. All of a sudden, I was a judge, and I was a lawyer, and I was a doctor. So for me, it's I love being a character actor. I'm also not the guy. I have never been the guy. Not that I would turn it down, but I don't want the Jim O'Hare show. I love an ensemble show. I, that's, again, about Parks. Everything goes back to Parks because there were eight of us. And so everything, it's not just on one person. And the odds are that's how I'll be cast. I'll be in an ensemble. It's my favorite thing because I love the back and forth. You know, because people were after Parks was ending, like, oh, wouldn't you love a spinoff? Of the Jer- No, no. No, no. Now, if it was offered, would I try it? I guess I'd be a fool not to try, but that's not a goal. That was never a goal to have my own show. It's also strange. I mean, I can't really picture. Can you picture the Jared Gergich show? It, I can't picture a spinoff of any of us. And the reason I say that is all these characters are so fun in little spurts. Like even Ron Swanson, who I adore. Is 30 minutes of Ron Swanson a lot every week? Maybe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Jerry at home with his family and him. That's a lot every week. Uh, Ron Swanson is almost best in a, you know, a gif. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, No, it's awesome. And that's, again, with all, even Aziz Ansari, you know, he played uh, Tom Haverford. Can you have that 30 minutes every week? I don't, I really don't think so. No. I think it was perfect as it was. Yeah. I really do. So, but again, if someone said tomorrow, listen, we're going to do a Jim O'Hare happy, wacky comedy show, 
I certainly would try, but it's never been a goal. It's never been a goal. The but, dream is actors. Here's what act, a lot of actors dream about. If you're a theater guy, and I am a theater guy, the dream is get on a show, let it run for years, and then let it go into syndication, and then you have freedom to do kind of what you want, which a lot of times is to go back to theater. So I was blessed. That dream kind of happened, you know. So actually, I'm going to do a, a theater project soon. So. Here in L.A.? No, in uh, Kansas City. Okay. I committed for three months. Yo! It's an old play called You Can't Take It With You, and it's just a sweet old play, and I'm super excited. But I couldn't have done that before because the temptation of TV money is different than theater money. It's just different. But because of parks and because of syndication and other work I've done that's out there, and you know, I could do that. Yeah. You know, And also it does. it's better because... Because of Parks, this theater, you know, they are paying me more than the average actor would be getting. It's all lovely, you know. And so it kind of worked out. It just kind of worked out. Do you have a family? No. Uh, well, yeah, but not not wife and kids. Okay. I have dogs and brothers and sisters and nieces and stuff like that. So I, I also have freedom to come and go, Yeah, which is awesome, too. <laughs> like, literally, in the past two weeks, I was shooting in L.A., I wrapped at 10 o'clock one night. The next morning, 6.30, I was on a plane to Florida. I shot there. The following Wednesday, I got off a plane at LAX, and the new show that I'm doing picked me up to take me to set. So it's a lot of gone time. But that's the nature of the business. It is what it is. So and now I'm heading to you know Kansas City for three months. Yeah, It's tough to do with the family. It's, people do it. People do it. But yeah. it's tough. I think it's tough. How is Kansas City? Have you been there before? I have never. This is going to be interesting. Okay. <laughs> it's all going to be. This is, I'm doing something I've never done. And I had said to my agents, you know, I really, I'd love to get back and to do some theater. Well, of course, in my head, I'm thinking, put me on Broadway. That's what I want. And so this offer came in, and my initial thought was, well, no, because they wanted me all of September, October, November. And I was like, well, no, that's my crazy busy time. I can't be gone. But then I realized, well, yeah, it's crazy busy because I've been in Parks and Recreation the past seven years. So now it's not. Who knows if it'll be crazy busy? So then we, you know, think, you go back and forth on the negotiations and everything. And finally, they made a deal and they were so generous as far as my time. Like, I, if this Clint Eastwood thing happens, I can come back for it. If I have a charity thing I'm involved with, I have to go to Washington, I can go. They really were very generous in allowing me to do other things during it. So, you know, there'll be a, an understudy for me and stuff. So it seemed like this was meant to happen. Because yeah. every time I came up with a hurdle that I thought, oh, they're not going to be happy if we ask for this, because they would come back, okay. And so it just seemed like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to be in a play for three months. It's such a sweet old play. It was on Broadway last year with uh, James Earl Jones and Rose Byrne. So that's kind of brought it back into the limelight, I guess. And I play a guy who's kind of obsessed with fireworks, so I get to blow some stuff up. And So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. And I'm excited. And plus, theater is so so immediate. You know, you go out there, there it is. <laughs> There's the people, and there you are. Yeah. So it's it's exciting. It's exciting. And different every night, which is fun about theater. And When you do a show here in L.A., first of all, your agents are always a little negative about theater because they're like, well, you know, it'll take you away from this or that. So I'm really happy that I have the kind of people around me who, when I said, I really would love to do some theater, they're like, okay, we'll make it happen. And they did. So I'm very appreciative of that. 
But how about the, the theater scene here in L.A.? You don't see much of it. It's terrible. It really is. And now they've changed. Recently, this new thing passed for non-equity houses. The little theaters can't afford to stay open. Okay. Because sadly, people don't support little theater in L.A. They just don't. People are going to go to the Mark Taper Forum. They're going to go downtown. I mean, they're going to go to the, you know, if hairspray is at the Pantages, they're going to go see that. That wicked, that'll all do fine. But your little theaters, like I, I, I cut my teeth in Chicago theater, where there was a black box theater in every block, but people went. Yeah, people went and saw your stuff. It's tough here. It mm. is tough to get an audience. I mean, if you have a big name in it, I'm sure it's easier. But the shame of it is, there's some amazing work being done. I mean, some really amazing work that will never be seen. But it's so strange with LA because people tell me that uh, there's not much. TV being shot here either. It's all moved to well, Canada or... And yet we just have the we just passed the new law. I don't know why it ever changed where they're going to get some incentives to come back. Okay. So I do think it will change. But yeah, it's been... North Carolina has been huge. And now North Carolina, and this makes no sense to me, they just turned their laws around so they're not getting incentives anymore. It's in other words, they're basically saying, go away. Okay. But I don't understand it it brings in tons of money of course because you're not just having this production leads to people living there people shopping people eating i don't understand it. but we are now coming back to they're giving incentives but sure vancouver atlanta everything is atlanta now new orleans there's shows shooting chicago finally where i'm from finally has two or three different shows shooting there so yeah no it's changed it's definitely changed i do think more is coming back though because mm. there's still you know There's still, my God, there's CBS Radford stages, there's Fox, there's Sony, there's Warner Brothers. There's still a lot of things shooting here. But a lot of it went bye-bye. My question is basically, I mean, I guess young actors, I mean, if you go buy coffee or something, it's going to be a, a striving actor cleaning the <laughs> yes, table. Yes, still. it is. Yes, it is. But during a really long time, there's been really no work for a Perhaps the is the um, auditions here still, or yeah, no, you would audition here, but okay. then the work would go elsewhere. All right, and also, and this, I don't think that this is going to change anytime soon. Here's exactly like even during pilot season, when they put out in the breakdowns, the the casting directors will put down a, put out a breakdown, which is telling the agents, here's what we're looking for. They will be specific in those breakdowns and say, we want someone who's already on a show. Like what? That's crazy, mm. you know. But everyone wants the already famous kind of people so it's tougher for your newbie but you also want to say look at some of the shows that they've put famous people in that have collected you know robin williams who's my god brilliant to say the least his show lasted one season so it doesn't guarantee anything and yet these networks keep throwing tons of money at big names you know what just get good quality product and put decent actors in it you'll be okay yeah. <laughs> but no it's tough that being said if it's your passion you have no choice I had no choice. I, have you heard of Second City? It's yeah, like the yeah, comedy. Yeah. I, I can tell you the second it happened, I went there, I took a class, I was on stage, and I got a laugh. And I remember, like, whoa, that's awesome. That's Because yeah. like, it was an improv, so it came out of my head. Yeah. Know? And I thought, that's awesome. And I remember after class, you know, we went out for beer, for some beers, and uh, I remember saying to people, well, this is what I'm going to do forever. Not thinking I could make a living doing it, but I knew I needed to do this. Yeah. This is really cool. You know, be on stage, be in front of people. 
And so, thankfully, I was able to do it and make a living off of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because the shame of it, the thing about LA is talent does not always win the day. I have friends who are so, so talented who could act circles around me who can't even get an agent. It's not a fair city. It's just not a fair city. I don't know how to change that. I don't know how to make it better. What does it come down to then? Is it uh, I contact? think there's luck involved. Like, I, I, you know, and the thing about like with Parks, before Parks, I was always busy. I was very blessed. I had, I went from guest spot to guest spot. I would get a pilot that wouldn't go anywhere. I would do, I had a series on Comedy Central for a little while. So I was fine. But Parks changes that because now you get the weekly exposure and that changes stuff. You go from fine to fine to like very good. people calling you and giving you offers without even, you know, just giving you offers. But yet I have friends, like I said, who are super talented and they didn't get the right agent or they didn't, you know, get like if I hadn't been seen for Parks, if I didn't get in there that day and audition, I guess I would still be doing what I had always done, which is go from show to show and guest spot and make a decent living and be fine. But I have friends who could, that hasn't even happened. And so I think there's probably luck involved. I'd like to think some talent. I'd like to think I bring something to the table. Of course. But I think just timing, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I have friends I'll see on stage, and I'm like, damn, they're good. Oh, my God, they're good. And then they're going to go work at wherever they're going to go work to pay their bills. Yeah. You know, it won't be through acting. But it's also and about stamina, I guess. It is, yes, yeah. George Went, who was on Cheers. I don't know if you guys ever get that We show. had it, yeah. Yeah, we were shooting commercial together. This is 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And uh, I remember saying to him, yeah, I'm thinking, I don't know, is this really worth being out? Because, you know, I love Chicago. My family was all there. And he said, just stick it out and it'll happen. And he was right. I, it was good advice. I stuck it out, and it happened. So Some nine years later. Yeah, well, no, but even in general, I was yeah, working yeah. all the time. I just didn't. No, but even uh, doing other stuff. I mean, I was always kind of busy. You know, Again, enough to pay my bills and have a life. And But then a network show, especially one that goes for a while, you know, you get to put money away and you get to travel a little more. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I mean, I have looked at your resume. It was fantastic before uh, Parks and Rec also, but yeah. Yeah, but it, it changes. A, a show, a primetime show that is on every week that goes for 125 episodes, yeah. it changes and things. And with the following that that's... And with the diet. Because the problem for Parks is people go, well, the ratings were never good. And they weren't. But they were. Yeah. Because the people who watch our show are the younger people. And they're not watching it at home on Thursday night. They were putting it on their Netflix or Hulu. or So our audience was much bigger than we were ever given credit for. But for some reason, the net, everyone still goes by these Nielsen ratings. I think it's ridiculous. I don't understand it. I think it's prehistoric. It's uh, also funny that nobody has come up with a good... A better way. Exactly. I know. Well, we can send, you know, we can go to Mars and Pluto and everything. Yeah, yeah. We can't figure out how to get accurate ratings. I don't understand it. I just don't understand no. it. But if I'm around young people, it's lunacy. That's who watches us. It's like the 16 to 40-year-olds just... Do you get stopped every day? Every day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird. When it first happened, I was like, whoa, this is so weird. Now it's so normal. I think nothing of it. And people are always, always nice. I will even have people, if I'm walking down the street, if they drive by and they recognize me... They go, damn it, Jerry, or you ruined the Harvest Festival or whatever. But they're saying that out of love of for the character. Yeah, yeah. So I've never dealt with uh, 
you know, you get the crazy tweet here and there from some crazy person, but no, it's, I, I don't know. I've been very blessed. Uh, you know, I'm a big guy. People could be, Oh, he's fat. He's, it's always very nice. Yeah. <laughs> what people put out there about me. So I, I'm very appreciative of that. And the fans are diehards. I, I, even yesterday we wrapped and I, had to run to the store. I was waiting for a parking space. When the people were leaving, they realized it was me behind them. They jumped out of their car to take pictures, and they go, "You got to take a picture. Or we're not going to move our car." I'm like, "I'll happily take a picture, even if whatever." So the people are always really kind. Yeah, really, really kind, and it's fun. I, you know, I always said, "There's so many years, no one gave a shit about me." It's nice that how can I be anything but nice about it? You know, because the people are so nice about it, and I, I don't understand like. Recently, a woman, I was in Florida and at the hotel, and she came up, and she started crying and stuff, and that kind of threw me, like, and she goes, I'm just so excited, and it's kind of weird to have that effect on somebody, and I, because I, I don't get it, just because I'm just this dumbass idiot <laughs> that I was before Parks, and it's also very humbling. You know, for the for the movie Middleman, we did a Kickstarter campaign. Our goal was to raise 150000 We already had a budget, but we wanted to make it bigger so we could do more stuff for the film and i said i don't know if this is going to happen i mean i was like the only name attached at the time and blah blah we made our hundred we made one hundred fifty three thousand dollars, and mostly from people who just like me from television i mean that's humbling yeah because people's money money is important that's their money of course and they gave me their money and they got very little out of it depending on what you did you get different perks a t-shirt or whatever some of them got phone calls i had to make a whole bunch of phone calls like 100 phone calls to people but that's humbling like wow they did that just because they like me as an actor it was wow wow and they added one hundred and fifty-three thousand dollars to the quality of the film it's a lot of money it is especially yeah. on an indie absolutely you know, it's a lot of money yeah so yeah that's what you make in every two seconds. Exactly. Yeah. Every two seconds, I make one hundred fifty-three thousand. Yeah. Actually, what am I getting paid for this? I didn't. Is this one hundred and fifty? How many seconds have I been here? Because one hundred fifty-three thousand. Actually, you have to pay us <laughs> what to be on the show. Yeah. You have to talk to people about that. <laughs> I'll get my people. <laughs> but uh, I was wondering because oftentimes actors have something to do on their own just because their everyday life is so depending on others. Do you have an outlet like that? I mean, like hobbies or something? Well, what do you mean? Or do you write stuff for yourself? I wish or? I did. And people around me about that, I don't write. I'm more of a contributor. If I'm in a room and things are happening, then I can contribute. But I... I can't sit at that computer and just go, hmm, oh, boom, I can't do it. No. I've tried. Yeah. I can't do it. And it's there's insecurity involved. I just don't think, you know, and that screws you up in your head because I tell myself I can't do it. Well, that's silly, but that's what I do. So, yeah, I don't know. But because I, I, you know, people are like, oh, you're so funny. You're so off the cuff funny. and But I that's. I can do that, which comes back to improv, where it's just kind of comes out as we're going back and forth or whatever. But to sit at the computer and just write something, you know, because Nick Offerman, he's written two books now, and he's he's written two shows, theater pieces that he goes up and does. That's amazing. And I part of me would love to do a one-man show, a theater show, you know, and just go up there and tell stories and stuff. What would it be about? I, that's the thing. Well, about my life, I guess. The reason I say that is because I do love telling stories. So I think that would just be fun. 
and I do have a million stories. You know, I've been around a long time. I'm I'm going to be thirty soon, so that's funny. You laughed at that. Uh, I don't understand well, that. I don't understand. More. I mean, there's a terrible lie on the internet that I'm fifty three. That's a that's bullshit. Yeah, I'm going to be thirty. I'm twenty six now. Yeah. So yeah, no, but you know, so I've been around. I've had some funny stories of just things in my life, things I've done or, or whatever. But I don't know how to piece them all together. I don't know how to make it fluid. So it hasn't happened. But maybe, maybe that would. Be, what I should do, I should find a writer and sit and put a show together. That's now that that's what I should do because I would enjoy that. And I think that because of the fan base of Parks, I think I could do that. Like as far as I could go to some small theaters, and I think it would do okay. Yeah, yeah, of course, I should do that. That would be super. Yeah, would I, that pay me fifty three thousand dollars, one hundred fifty three thousand a second? Or uh, not sure, but because uh, it's all about the money. <laughs> but uh, it's all about the money. But what do you do for yourself then, or is it all work? It's a lot of work, yeah. and I love it because I But love my work. But somebody has to work, walk the dogs, right? Yeah, no. Well, I get people to do that when I'm not there. Okay. I sadly, 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 sadly had to put down one of my dogs in January. He was 11 and just sick. He had bone cancer, so that was awful. And the dog I have now, she's 13. She's okay. having surgery tomorrow oh, wow. for a little cancer thing, but she's had them before, and they snip it out and stuff. So. Yeah, that part sucks because you know when you don't have kids, your animals, you know, you become obsessive about them. But I've always been that way with animals anyway. But you know, so I love going to movies. I, there's nothing I like better than because I don't go to movies on the weekends with a million people. No, thank you. Like today, I'm off. Tomorrow, I go back to work on this film, and you know, I'm doing this now. Later, I'm going to go see finally Mission Impossible. Yeah. Can't wait to see it. I heard it's really I, good. It's, I've heard great stuff. So <laughs> I love doing stuff like that. I'm social as far as lunches and dinners. and uh, But that being said, I love being on set. The, there's an old expression. I should find out who said it because I, I repeat it so often. But it goes, you know, if you love what you do, you never worked a day in your life. And I really believe that. And so I can say, since I moved to Los Angeles in 1994, I've never worked a day in my life because I have made my living off of acting, which I love. And I'm not saying every day is peaches and cream. And Mark Anthony. Is that who? Mark yeah. Anthony? I think so. I like that. That'll stay yeah. in my head now. Thank you. Oh, computers. Isn't that something? <laughs> and the, how'd you do that? What, what's that thing in front of you that makes things type and things It's happen? It's fantastic, right? It's crazy. Yeah. So... To me, I love being on a set. I love being on a set. We, a middleman, we shot six days. Let me correct myself. Six nights in the desert. Holy crap. But it was awesome. It was crazy, and there were little creatures, and there were things going on. And, and then we shot a couple days in the desert in the sun. It was 115 degrees one day on this oh. place called Salt Lake. And you're in a car, and you're dripping sweat. And I'm like, what is going on? This is crazy. But it's also, I'm in a 1953 Oldsmobile shooting this crazy film. And, like, who gets to do that? You know, there was a day on Parks. One day I was in a hot air balloon. I was being lifted by centers. It's like, who, this. how do you not love this? Yeah. There's no two days are the same. No. They are not the same. I also love, with all my heart, my house. And that's important. Where is it? Uh, look, at you try, look at you trying to get a dinner invite or something. You'll never be there. No, I live in Encino, a place called Encino, California. Encino. Okay, yeah. yeah. Is um, that far off? No, nah, from here, 
30 minutes, okay. 25 minutes, 30 yeah. minutes. But, you know, I'll have my private helicopter pick me up and I'll yeah. just get flown or, or my teleporter. Mm. You know, I'll stand there, hit the button and just be at my house because that's how I roll. Yeah. But it's uh, – Does it make you roll? You're kind of rolling, yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. It works, though. Yeah. I get there. What's great about it is um, I am also a firm believer and you got to love where you live. It doesn't, and I don't it has to be a big house. It doesn't have to be any, just, you have to love it. Like when you walk in your door at night, it has to be the place where you go, ah, this yeah. is awesome. This mm. is, and again, that doesn't have to be fancy or maybe it is fancy. Whatever it is for you that you go, yeah, that. And my house is that for me. I walk in and I just love it. I love everything about it. It's nice. It's nothing crazy. It's thankfully has a pool because I live in LA. I love my little pool. I I just love it. So I'm happy at home. I'm very happy at home. And when I leave for three months, that's going to be tough. But how did you end up in Encino? Just it was cheaper to buy there. And I bought a house from an actress who was on shows years ago. And uh, I got it for, it needed a lot of work. And so over the years, because I bought it way before Parks. I bought it in um, 03. So six years before Parks. And you just slowly do things as you can. You know, you get a little extra money here. Oh, maybe I can redo the bathroom. Maybe you get a little extra here. Oh, I can, you know, new windows. And so that's what I did. And now I just love it. I, and, and, and I have no taste. Like, I have none. I can't pick, pick colors. I can't do any of that. So fortunately, I was able to hire someone who could. Okay. <laughs> and so that's what he did. I was going to ask you also, do you work with goals for yourself? Career goals? Or life goals? It's weird. I kind of go from job to job. So I'm just always happy to be working. Like I said earlier, I don't have the dream of my own show. Or, you know, I, I dream of being on a show with a group of amazing people, you know, like Parks was. I would love that to happen again. I don't know if that ever will. I try to kind of be a decent person in life. I try to not be an idiot. Uh, I'm sure I fail constantly but i try to be decent so that's a goal to keep that going but i've said to my family like if god forbid tomorrow you know i walk out and a mac truck hits me or whatever i had a hell of a ride and i have no i literally have no regrets i mean I, i'm sure i have regrets about certain conversations i've had with people where i might have hurt some feelings and stuff but as far as like big crazy life regrets i don't have any and sadly my parents passed away young my dad was 57 my mom was 74 but she did get a taste of she had, it was so supportive and so she over the years she saw me on different tv shows but she did get to see parks okay. she got to see me on parks she mm -hmm. got to go to red carpets she got to have a limousine pick her up and i loved all that i of love course. that she got to see that before she died so i don't know i'm pretty content i'm pretty content that's nice to hear What? Of course, when, when you stop rolling, I'm going to start screaming about what I demand and what I expect and yeah, <laughs> yeah. my true life goals. But can I ask you, <laughs> what, what's your biggest problem? Wow. Probably insecurity as an actor. That's a problem. That's, I think most actors deal with that. You never think you're good enough. But problem in life, you know, I'm probably oversensitive. Like I, I, I can obsess about family like, oh, they're getting older, this one's happening, you know, because stuff happens, life goes on, and people get sick, and hopefully get better, and then you have animals, and they get sick, and sometimes they don't get better, and so just day-to-day -day stuff that everybody worries about, you know, I, I will say, the old expression about money doesn't buy happiness, and it absolutely doesn't buy happiness, 
but it buys a little peace of mind. So I don't have those worries that I used to have, like how the hell am I paying rent this month? Or, oh my God, my car just, it needs new tires. I, how the hell am I going to come up with the money to buy new tires? Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about that. And that's awesome. Of course. That's awesome. But yeah, that doesn't mean happiness, but it takes away some stress. And believe me, I'm no millionaire, but I'm you know comfortable. And it's at this point, I'm still continuing to work steady. So hopefully it stays that way. And, you know, I've, I'll have a good pension and all the stuff that you want, you know. So who knows if I'll be around? I never know. I never know. Would you like to recommend something? Yes. Don't, I'm screaming this into this microphone, don't go to a pet shop and buy an animal. Adopt, adopt, adopt these animals that are about to be killed in the shelters. Please, 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 please. There's so many amazing animals that sit in these cages that need a home, and yet people are spending $800,000 on a purebred. Why? Why are you just to say it's a purebred? And I'll also say this, and this is not scientific, but from my experience, the purebreds end up with more health issues and more. You just get a mutt. Just get a mutt that's going to love you to death. Just get a mutt. That's good advice. Thank you. Who do you think I should interview? You know who I love? He is such a good person and more important more important than his success more important is jimmy kimmel jimmy kimmel is awesome i have seen him involved in things that people don't even know about that are just amazing and he's the real deal i see jimmy kimmel thank you so much for your time this was great thank you where's my money where's my (laughs) fucking money chris what where's my you better turn that thing off I don't want people to think I'm an asshole. Come on. Where is my... I I want that fucking check now! All right, Jim O'Hare. And uh, since uh, those great years in Parks and Recreation are over, I really look forward to see what his next project will be. If you're interested to keep up with him, follow him on Twitter. He is at Jim O'Hare there (laughs) this episode was edited by lovisa olson and technical as well as editorial help came from thomas kulshage my la crew was 16 mile talent i love you guys and uh, this is the last episode of varit international for the time being but at some point i hope to wake this fine project up again so if you want to get in contact, you can reach me at international at triumph.se, T-R-I-U-M-F dot S-E. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Christoph Triumph saying bye-bye. Hej då. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.